What is up, my friends? You already know we have been talking about getting this out to you guys for a while. And as it is only right, we have faced as many hurdles as we possibly can. But we're here now. Specifically one, two, three, four. Uh, quite a few. And we're here now. That's what's important. Um, people have been telling me that I should have a podcast since I was young, man. Uh, I've been talking my whole life. Um, I always felt like I needed to have some level of success or validation in my own personal life before I ever started to really share too much information. So that's kind of what held me back over the years. But now, obviously, we're in a position in business and in life where we're ready to share and expand. And so we wanted to launch this podcast with a couple episodes introducing ourselves, uh, kind of our life stories and what made us who we are right now so that you can better understand each and every episode as we share our perspectives on things. So. Um, obviously, I'm going to go first. I'm going to try to keep it um, as, as short as possible, as close to 30 minutes as we can. Um, obviously, I could talk forever, but you guys will get to hear more in depth on each topic as we go a little bit further along through this. Um, so to kind of start at the, at the beginning, to really truly get an understanding of who G-Money is, you have to understand that I started my life as a, let's say, round kid, right? A short little fat kid. A lot of my friends called me a bowling ball growing up. Um, both of my parents were overweight. I was always overweight. I played Pop Warner football as a kid. Had to lose weight to play Pop Warner football at the age of eight years old, you know? Had to lose 20 pounds to play Pop Warner football. Um, so it was kind of, that kind of defined, you know, my, my childhood, you know, I, because of that, I was a, kind of seeking attention other, other ways. I've always been obviously a loud mouth kind of guy, attention drawing, but, you know, I was chopping up in school always and being Mr. Funny Man and all those different things. and. Not being the most, you know, attractive, we'll say, as a kid, you know, girls not giving you the most attention. You kind of find ways to catch their attention in, in other ways. So being the funny guy uh, was always a thing for me, right? So that kind of defined my, my personality a lot. Um, I also was very just naturally intelligent, I guess you could say. Uh, school was easy for me, so they made it boring. And when it got boring, I had a tendency to talk a lot and get in trouble, um, and get, you know, just kind of be, be the kid that teachers hated a lot of times. I uh, skipped a lot of school, you know. It, it just, it was never, it never connected well with me. But because I got good grades, um, my teachers and a lot of people in my life, you know, pushed me to go to school. You know, you're so smart, you don't wanna waste your potential. You gotta do something, you gotta go to school. And so I wanted to make a lot of money always. That was always my thing, and so, um, well, you know, I could be an engineer. I'm really good at math. So went to UNC Charlotte. That was my first draw to the city of Charlotte. And kind of, I think, what started my, my love for the 704. 17 years old when I graduated high school, I moved to Charlotte, and it kind of expanded me from a little, little town mindset to, like, a big city, you know? I kind of grew up just outside of the hood in Winston, but Charlotte, especially UNC Charlotte at the time in which I went there, it was like, kind of transitioning almost to like a, a historically black school. Like it was a predominantly black crowd around me, you know? So that kind of started my my change in life from being, you know, the, the young white kid that kind of was on the outskirts to like being, you know, in the hood, so to speak. You spent, I spent a lot of time in a place that we call Farmhood. And the, the project name was Farmwood, but we called it Farmhood because that's what it was. You know, it was the hood that we hung out in and everybody trapped and sold their different things and like police were there all the time but it was just you know where we spent a lot of time at where a lot of my friends lived at um, and so that kind of defined my grit and my demeanor and a lot of times um, 
a lot of times people in my life and even people that just kind of, if you just listen to me talk, sometimes you might, you know, correlate me to sounding a lot like a young black boy, a young African-American man, because that's the people, a lot of my closest friends growing up and a lot of people I spend the most time with, you know, that's who they were. So that's, you know, why I talk the way that I talk and act the way that I act. And sometimes why I'm aggressive the way that I am is because I, I spent time around real motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? Like to censor myself, you know what I'm saying? Uh, spent time around, you know, around people that were about the shits. And so that defined me a lot. But, you know, then I, uh, I started when I dropped out of school. I mean, I guess that slow down. I, I dropped out of school because it wasn't for me. I got there, I realized I wanted to be more in the hood than I wanted to be in school. I, although I was good at, at passing classes, I didn't give a shit about what I was learning. And so I just, you know, disconnected quickly, dropped out of school. Um, I was talking to a girl back home when I was a little bit older. She was the preacher's daughter. Um, and that led to a lot of headaches. And he didn't approve of me at all. You know, I got in trouble with the law a couple times in school and everybody kind of knew who I was. And so. Uh, he put a, a big no to that, and so we made this Romeo and Juliet kind of romance. And another thing that pulled me out of school was that. And so and I, was, I was coming home and dealing with that, and he got a restraining order against me, and you know we weren't allowed to see each other, and he banned me from the church property, and you know that makes this whole fucking Romeo and Juliet thing so much worse. If he would have just not, it probably wouldn't have been so bad. But end up getting you know in some trouble in that relationship, and like it, it just you know. It, it pushed me away from everything I'd ever kind of like grown up around in that side of my life. And so, you know, that's, again, kind of what pushed me towards those more difficult routes in life. And then, you know, the thing that really shifted my whole adult life is when my brother died. Yeah. I was, I had just turned 21, um, 10 days after my 21st birthday. Uh, we were out drinking with my best friend Hunter and I needed my brother to be a DD. He said, okay, yeah, man, as long as you smoke me out when we get home. That was his, like, contingency on everything. He was a stoner if I ever knew a stoner, right? So, yeah, bro, of course, we'll smoke weed. And back then, you know, it was like smoking weed isn't like what we do now. You know, now we got the Tropicana brand everywhere. We smoke weed like it's nothing. But back then, you know, we were splitting a .5 on four heads. Like it was <laughs> like we had to get high off this little blunt because it was skinny little like needle dick blunt because it's all we could afford, but we need, like it's what we wanted to do. So he he didn't work like I did, Jesse didn't. So he said, just give me high, bro, and I'll drive you. He was driving my car. Not like he was even, he was driving my fucking car. Like I needed to ask him too much, but yeah, I'll pick you up. So he picks us up from the bar. We go home and smoke weed. He goes to his room, I go to my room, go to sleep. Next morning, I wake up, go do my cardio, come back. It's like almost noon at this point, and like he's still not out of his room. Like, That's fucking weird. So I go in there and like find him in his room, and like instantly when I open the door, just off the energy in the room, I can just tell, you know, he's like, he's dead off the jump, right? And so I call 911, and they like tell me to do these things, and it doesn't do anything. And then the, <coughs> the paramedics and police come, and they're like, you know, like, did you find any drugs? Like, we understand if, like, you know, tried to hide it, like, to protect him or anything like that. But we need, we need to know. And I'm like, trust me, if, like, I knew that, you know, he was doing drugs, I would tell you. Because, like, this is the same. Although I could smoke weed and be very productive, he was a lazy stoner. I told you guys. So, like, I would get in his ass all the time just for smoking weed. He can't, he couldn't smoke weed like I could. So, I'm like, trust me. Like, I would have told you if that could, if that would give me an answer or clarification on why this happened. Like, I would tell you. But, like never really got an answer as to what happened to my brother. He just just passed away in his sleep for no reason, for literally no reason. 
Um, now, keep in mind, you know, he was 18 years old at the time. He had a three-year-old daughter because he lived an accelerated life, let's just say that. So he had a three-year-old daughter when he passed away. And it, that, you gotta think about, you know, what that did to my family. My, my mother and my father both crumbled a lot. You know, they had lost a set of twins at birth a couple of years after Jesse was born. So um, they had gone through a lot. They had experienced a lot of loss in life. So my family got very shaky um, and it was very difficult. And Kaylee Grace was, you know, the one thing that kind of guided me out of the darkness of that situation. Um, you know, I talked about, you know, being in the negative places in life. A lot of times, spending time in farm, you know, farmhood, Jesse was there with me in a lot of the situations. He had just gotten to a point where he was kind of my right hand in life. And so, you know, we had been doing all these things that we shouldn't have been doing and like should have been striving for more. And then when, when he passed away and I was kind of thrust into this position of like being a man in Kaylee's life that, you know, she needed to be able to look up to. And like, I'm fucking 21 years old and I'm not even a man that I look up to at this point in my life, you know, like I don't even think I'm that great working, you know, at Dick Sporting Goods and shit. And like <laughs> the best thing I did was grab ass, you know what I'm saying? Like I was pretty cause I lost some weight and I was really cocky, but like I wasn't doing shit, right? But then boom, all of a sudden I've got this three year old little girl who like can't sleep at night cause her daddy, she can't call her daddy. And so who do they call? They call Uncle G. I, Uncle G don't know what to say. So all of a sudden I'm like thrust into this. And then like, I'm fit guy, right? Everybody's fit influence. So like Kaylee needs to be doing something active. And so, okay, well, let's go do gymnastics with Uncle G. Boy, I don't know nothing about gymnastics, but we out here, you know, buying leotards and going to gymnastics with Kaylee once a week. and. She's like, I want to do dance this, this year. So we go do dance. We got the fucking ballet shoes and shit. And then there's like, all right, the, Kaylee's like, they're doing a, um, uh, a daddy-daughter dance at, at dance class, but like, we don't have to do it. I'm like, do you want to do it? I'm like, I'm not daddy, but I can be, we can do Uncle G and, and Kaylee Grace dance. And she was like, do, do you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do want to yeah. do it. My mom's like, you're doing it, right? So I'm like, oh, fuck, man. My mom has a picture of me, like, in a fucking tutu and shit, like, holding Kaylee, doing this thing. But, like, I just got thrust into this. So I'm like, I don't know no better. And so luckily, you know, I kind of, that kind of coincided. In retrospect, the universe gives you everything that you need with me getting a more professional job, you know, as far as selling gym memberships and going into sales management and general management at the gym. So all of those things correlated to my growth kind of speeding up at, at this time in my life. So, like, what, seem, what seemed like at the time, and and people find out, and they see the tattoo on my back, and then they find out I lost my brother, like, oh man, I'm so sorry. And like, it seems like such a painful, terrible situation, but it's like the best, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, if that didn't happen, who knows where I would have continued to head towards, you know? Because being very powerful in life and like having a very strong energy is a very good thing. It can also be a very bad thing. If you don't use it right, it'll it end up in very dark places. Um, but I truly believe that the loss of Jesse in that moment, you know, transitioned me into a different man and it gave me a desire. And that's something that we'll talk a lot about through this podcast is the word desire. Um, but it gave me a desire to grow up. I spoke at Jesse's funeral and said, I'm going to be the man that this, that this little girl can look up to. And so that's what I've strived to become over the years. And that, as I grew in gym management, like I said, and I gained my experience in business, it got to a point where, you know, it just wasn't working for me anymore in the corporate world. Similar to I hit that point in school where like, 
I was having high levels of success. I was the best salesman in my company. I got promoted to sales manager, best sales manager in the region, you know, like number one was the goal because we didn't accept anything less than that. And so like we dominated and got promoted and it got offered a new job and then it got to where they didn't value, you know, like, you know what? Like I'm G money, baby. I'm Garrett, baby. Back at the gym days, it was, they didn't call me G money. Can't be G money at, at corporate gym. So I was Garrett. I'm Garrett, baby. Can't you like, I'm, I'm, I leave here. This whole gym will close down. You, know, you can't sell shit without me. Like I, I used to tell people that we were like um, free agent wide receivers in the NFL, you know, Randy Moss, fucking like oh, 2004, Randy Moss, like half his head with cornrows and half his hair out like this. Like, that's the kind of personalities like I modeled in life. And we'll talk about this down the road when we talk about trap music and stuff, Logan, something that we talked about a little bit already is like, how much of these things you model, you don't even know it. So like, I had this, this loud, look at me, I'm the best attitude. And like, that doesn't work in a corporate work setting. So like, I always knew I wanted to get an entrepreneurship the stars aligned and I jumped into, you know, a gig with my, one of my childhood friends, um, one of the white boys I grew up with before all the trouble and shit, um, who ironically I got in trouble with anyway. Um, he had a business already that he was had just recently joined, uh, based in one city, just to summarize uh, quickly. And they wanted to expand, but hadn't had necessarily the, the speed in which they wanted to, but I'm like, yo, speed is my thing. Like, I know I can do that. So. We helped them grow dramatically, took it from one city to, to three cities by myself. Then we brought on my man, Brad, um, and a couple other sales guys that were signing deals. And by the time, you know, we separated in about nine months, uh, we had brought on like almost 40 properties. So I'm like, yo, I'm G Money, baby. You're like, you can't tell me shit at this point in my life. I'm 23 years old. I had been offered, you know, a $100,000 gig in the gym. I'm like, nah, fuck that. I wanna be an entrepreneur much to the dismay of my family. We'll talk about that in a whole episode at some point in time, like that jump, that, that point of jump and risk in life. But took that risk, I'm like, fuck it, I believe in myself. I'm doing this entrepreneur thing, I'm making a ton of money, like six figures that, to me is a ton of money, right? At the time, like 120, $140,000 at 23 years old, you know, especially having made fucking $13,000 the year before, or something like that, well not, two years before I made $13,000, a year before that I made 70 at Gold's, and all of a sudden I'm like breaking six figures and I'm working, nothing five hours a week just whenever i feel like driving around town and talking to the front desk girl at whatever apartment complex hardly putting in any effort then you know and i'm sure we'll talk a lot about this on the entrepreneurial side of things but there becomes a point when in everybody's entrepreneurship where you have to like decide where you're going to stand like as are you going to be a part of someone else's business are you going to be an entrepreneur and decide them their kingdom so to speak or are you going to be the one that you know plants their flag and, and makes their own and so there was never any question that that's who i was intended to be and so i got the opportunity to do that and i jumped again because that's all, all i ever knew was to take the risk because i believed in myself well that backfired on me because there's an aspect of integrity that needs to happen sometimes and being based in the hood i can be transparent well again we'll talk about this is that sometimes you make selfish decisions when you only think about the immediate circle around you or the immediate future around you. So um, I allowed myself to be influenced by other people in my life that I shouldn't have, made some bad decisions and allowed myself to end up fucked. You know, got a business partner that had a bunch of money. He was willing to invest, invest some money, but he didn't necessarily give me the respect that, you know, I 
should have gotten, I guess, as having a little bit more experience in this particular space. And so ended up getting in trouble, violating this non-compete contract with my buddy that we had worked with previously and getting charged with some bullshit and having to be being the leader of this team. I have to take responsibility. So I take this charge and have to deal with the court stuff and all this money that I've been making all of a sudden is gone. You know, side note at the same time. I have the single most toxic, worst relationship I've not only ever had, just like one of the worst people, human beings I've ever fucking met, happens to be the girl that I'm with at that time in my life. So like, my business is falling apart, my relationship and my emotional status is in pieces. I'm being Mr. Cocky, confident guy my whole life, like this is the like lowest point in my life, without a doubt. Never have I wanted to just not be alive more like, Mental health is a very serious thing in my life that we'll talk about a lot. You know, my family has struggled a lot with different things. But like legitimately, like I'm at a point of like wanting to fucking just die. Like my brother had, you know, passed away a couple years before and I felt like he was the one that was better at loving people and uh, had real feelings. I didn't have real feelings. We'll talk a lot about that. Like I didn't, I, I struggled with feeling and emotion. So I'm like, you know, I should have been the one that died. You know, he's got Kaylee and he's got things going. And like, I, you know, although I was good and made money and got good grades, like, I, what do I got? So like, I'm at, in the bottom of my life. And like, luckily, if there's one person that ever had my back through every situation, that was my mama. And, you know, I had this kid that I had been mentoring named Brad, who will eventually be on this podcast because Brad's a fucking awesome guy. And I had a lot of value to this podcast at some point in time. But... Brad was um, a lot like my little brother at that time in my life as well. Um, I had a tendency to fill that void um, with other young men. So Brad looked up to me and we did a lot of things together. And Brad being very free spirited and just much so called to the wind, he calls me one day. He's like, I think I'm gonna move to LA. I'm like, Brad, you have no money, man. Like uh, Brad worked with me in this other business, side note. So like with this crumbled, it crumbled for him too. And so we got no money. I'm like, you got even less money than I got. And so like, how are you going to move to L.A.? He's like, I don't know, but I just want to. My buddy Hunter who wants to as well. Like, we're just going to drive there. I'm like, dude, you can't afford to do that. Like, you're going to get fucked up. Don't do that. He's like, ah, oh, Garrett. He's like, you know, man, you're being negative. He's like, you know, we, we do whatever we want. We always make it happen. He's like, I know it'll work out, man. I'm like, Brad, good luck, buddy. <laughs> good luck, Brad. I'll see you later. I'm going to stay here. I did a bodybuilding show. And then like, Two days after my bodybuilding show, call Brad. Brad, I'm like, where you at, dude? He's like, I'm in, I'm in Mississippi. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, man, we're on the way to LA. I told you I was gonna do it. I'm like, yeah, Brad, I should have believed you, man. I should have known that you were gonna do it. He like, you know, calls me every so often to do his journey across the country. Takes a couple weeks, stops at the Grand Canyon, does all this stuff. Well, then he gets out there, and like, he said, bro, it's awesome. You would love it out here. You gotta get out here. I'm like, bro, you know, I ain't got no money. I can't can't do that. I've got this limiting belief. Here's another thing we'll definitely touch on. I got this limiting belief that's holding me back a lot from my family, my parents, you know, their mindsets. I, like, I don't have the money. How am I going to do it? How, 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 how? Brad if ever did one thing is he challenged my coachability to say it doesn't always matter how, you know, just learn, learn to believe in why you're going to do it. So I'm like, all right, man, well, I'm going to try to figure it out. Like if I can, you know, like if there's one thing I can do in life, it's fucking sell gym memberships. So I'm going to Get a job selling gym membership. If I can get a job out there, I'll move out there. Easy. So I call, I jump on Google, call this gym, USA Fitness. I'm like, well, this looks like a nice gym. I'm gonna go call, I'm gonna call and sell myself. So I call them, I'm like, see, you're, God, you're taking applications for sales manager and general manager. Would love to chat. You know, I've got a, a career here and uh, moving there. Would love to get something set up. And they're like, okay, can you come in for your interview next Wednesday? I'm like, can we do a phone interview? And they're like, 
Uh, well, we could do an initial phone interview, but you'll have to do a face-to-face interview before before we'll really be able to do anything else. I'm like, all right, cool, yeah, we can do Wednesday. I have no idea how the fuck I'm gonna get there, if I'm gonna get there, but I tell them I'm gonna do it because, well, you know, why not? So then I tell my mom, and my mom's like, all right, I hope you get there. I'm like, what? She's like, I'll, you can use my rewards points. She travels a lot for work. She uses my rewards points for a flight, and I'll you know, basically loan you some money so that you can survive until you get started. But like, we both know you'll get the job at the gym because you know, she never questioned my abilities ever. So I go out there, my mom gives me $400 at first. And like, I'm like, I don't know how the fuck I'm about to survive on $400. Like whatever, I've been making all this money living Mr. Baller lifestyle and like no money, no connections outside of Brad. Brad picked me up from the airport in a two-seater Ford Ranger with Hunter. So now we got three people in a two-seater truck. I'm a big motherfucker too. So ain't, it ain't easy. Can't afford to like stay anywhere. So Brad's like, I'm, I got this Airbnb. I'm like, I'm gonna sleep in the truck. They don't want you to sleep in the truck. They're like tapping on the window every so often. So it was rough, you know, but next day I went to the interview. Got it, surprised, not surprised. I'm like, all right, one thing is if I'm gonna be the GM, I need Brad to be my sales manager. And so like, all right, cool. You know, cause he had been with me at Gold's Gym and other gyms as well. He had been a GM at LA Fitness and stuff. So he, you know, got the job pretty easily. So we come in now, we got this tag team, we're making money, like, all right, bet. So now I got this proof of income. I got a salary plus commission, um, plus bonuses. So like, you know, I would have, you know, would have, I say would have, because you'll find out, didn't last long. Would have made, you know, probably 80, $90,000 at least, maybe a hundred with bonuses if I've worked a year there. But what really matters, I had a $50,000 base. So then I went and applied for a house, uh, like an apartment, I guess, a room in a house, got it. My mom co-signed for me because my credit's shitty. We'll talk about that on some episodes down the road why your credit's important and somebody needs to teach you how to fucking use it. Um, my credit was terrible and my mom co-signed for me. You'll catch that tendency. My mom covers my ass sometimes. Uh, we get the house. I'm like, all right, we're good. So we get the house. Um, like, okay, but you gotta move in in two weeks. So just because the universe always gives you what you need. Brad has one friend that he knows from childhood that moved to LA. And so he's like, oh yeah, y'all come crash with me. And then we stay there for two days. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going home for Christmas. So y'all can just stay here and like feed the fish or some shit. Like he, he lets us stay in his fucking apartment. Dope, right? Cause the universe just lets us, you know, have certain things. So he's like, oh yeah, but I'm leaving tomorrow, but I gotta buy some products. So we're gonna go to this taco session tonight if y'all wanna come. Like, what the fuck is a taco session? Like, I don't really eat tacos, I'm a bodybuilder, you know? He's like, nah, 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 it's like a, you'll like it. It's like a weed thing, it's cool. So we go there and it's like walk in the doors and it's like fucking, <laughs> I, I'm picturing a SpongeBob scene in my head where the doors open and it's just light coming out. Yeah, fucking, it's just like a hundred guys at a table like with their different branded weeds and like they're selling, they're growing their weed and selling it and like they have wax and carts and all these, like literally everything you can imagine from a cannabis perspective. It's like a farmer's market for, for cannabis. And I'm like, holy fuck, like this is awesome. And, you know, keep in mind, I've been smoking a lot for a long time, even though we didn't have a lot of money and we were like paying like 60 or $70 for these carts back in NC. And then we got here and like these guys got hundreds of them out here. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is so mind blowing to me. And I walk up to them and like, I don't get, keep in mind, I don't have much money. I'm like, how much are these things? They're like, ah, bro, I get them to like $13 a piece. The evil fucking, huh, what? I'm like plotting over here like, I'll take 10 of them. The numbers seen in Limitless. Just yeah, it's just like fucking, <laughs> fucking Rain Man over here running the numbers. I'm like, I'll take 10 of them. And they're like, 
Uh, so they ten of them to them ain't shit, whatever. So they they give me ten of them. I'm like, all right, bet. So I call, I put them on like Snapchat, and Instagram, and like all my homeboys back home. Like, yo, like this shit's crazy out here in LA. And then everybody's like, yo, like what? So like everybody is like, that's crazy. That's so cool. So then my Instagram was already kind of been my thing with fitness. So I it was like transitioning into cannabis. Being out there was my goal. So I got that rolling. I'm like, all right, cool. Quickly able to take what we had done in the gym and help these cannabis vendors like scale their branding and what they're doing, right? Like it's these processes that you guys hear us talk about work across any brand or business. This is how you customize them to it. So I have been scaling gyms and like converting traffic and t- training guys how to sell gym memberships. Then I get with these guys who are like, you know, some young Hispanic dudes who just know how to grow really good weed. They don't know how to fucking sell shit. They don't know how to build a brand. And they're like, they have an Instagram page and it's like one of them was like Flavor Farms LA was one of the first ones I got, t- I got tag teamed with. And like, they were really cool dudes. They remind me of some of my friends from back home because they were just young, like trying to get it. But like, they had no idea what they were doing. And so I'm like, yo, let me just stand behind that table with y'all a little bit. So like, I would work these sessions with them and I'm G money, you know, it's like, keep in mind at this time, I got like 12 or 13,000 followers on Instagram. So they think I'm cool as shit. They're like, oh, wow, you got what? Like, you're a body, I'm tan. Like I got the first time they met me, I had a spray tan. I just did the show in LA where I met my boy Enzo, who will be on here at some point in time as well. Um, so like, they think all the, all cool of me. So I'm like able to help them a lot. And to summarize that whole year in a brief statement is, we made a lot of money. So we made a lot of money. My, I lived my life like I finally wanted to. I traveled around a lot. I bought a little French bulldog. He was my right hand. The, you know, we, we went to Vegas. We went all over the place, traveled up and down. And it was really great. I moved my one of my homeboys and his girlfriends out from NC. He was helping me uh, scale the cannabis business on that side, helping these guys grow what they're doing. It was really cool. Everything was going great. And uh, I... Went back home for my brother's birthday. Every year I did something with Kaylee, you know, since he passed. And so uh, I took Kaylee Grace to Carowinds, the local theme park thing. And I dropped my French Bulldog off at my parents' house. And um, we'd go have fun and I'd buy Kaylee. we buy like matching Air Jordan 1s and shit because that's Uncle G's way. You guys know I love the kicks. And so then we go to Carowinds and we go back home and I get back there and I see Lauren's car in my mom's driveway. Now I hadn't seen Lauren since I left for LA. Um, but Lauren had been my best friend forever. Like, you know, it was very hard to leave her. I love this woman always, but you know, we were still just friends. So when she's at my mom's house, I'm like, that's weird, but okay. I'd asked her to come over for dinner and see me, but she has, she was supposed to work. And so when she was there, I'm like, okay, maybe she, you know, didn't have to work anymore, whatever. But I would walk in and like my mom and Lauren are like visibly in tears and shit. I'm like, oh shit. And she's like, oh, I don't know how to tell you. My mom's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but like luck, who's the bulldog. Uh, French Bulldog that I bought and named him Luck. Come with my own luck. He fell in the pool, drowned to death, right? On my brother's birthday, after I flew all the way across the country, and you shake your head, you can make me laugh, you gotta shake your head, because if you knew my life, Lauren knows, it's just how my life goes. Like, it's just more of like the ironic, idea. you know, when the office, when they're like, and they look at the camera like this, that's all the, th- I learned at an early age to just accept the hard things in life with that ironic sense of humor. Like, well, you know what? It is what it is. It, it, it's, it's gotta be something coming out of it. So they're distraught. They don't know how I'm gonna respond because I'd lost everything I ever loved, right? So my brother and I had lost a Husky dog that you know I had two, three over the years that I had had. They loved to break out and they got all these different things. So like, my mom doesn't know I'm gonna respond. I've been at that weak point in life before I moved to LA. And so she called the only person that she knew that I loved, which was Lauren. Um, and so it hit me very strong as they're there crying and like it hit me a lot because I'm like, yo, like she was supposed to work. Like she's here right now. 
my mom, who knows me better than anybody in the world, thought this is gonna hurt him a lot. I should call Lauren. So it just, it struck me in that moment, you know, as they're in tears because my mom knew I needed to see her. Lauren managed to make it happen even though she was supposed to work. I'm like, well, this is the thing I should pay attention to. So I told you guys I was moving my homeboy out there. And so I, part of the plan was after I came back for Jesse's birthday, I was gonna bring Sean out there with me and um, we were supposed to leave on a Monday morning. So it was like a Wednesday that that happened. So I had like five days till I'm supposed to be there. And um, a couple of days later, I'm like distraught because I am I know now that like I'm in love with Lauren and I need to tell her. I can't just keep pretending that, you know, like she's not supposed to be with me and I'm not supposed to be with her. And so, but I also don't know how to tell her she's got a boyfriend, you know, I've been her best friend for, since we, we dated when we were younger, you know, we were 20 for like four or five months and we've been best friends ever since. So like six or seven years, we've been best friends and I'm like, how am I gonna risk this? I don't know what to do. So I'm like at the bar, local hams, he's just fucking drinking and distraught. And like some of my friends come up there, one of my friends, Jordan, and I'm like sitting there with Jordan. And Jordan is a, she's a couple years older than me. She's a gay black girl. She was my operations manager at Gold's Gym when I was a sales manager. So we were very close friends. Um, so uh, Lauren's texting me and like asking me what, you know, why I'm all upset because she doesn't understand you know that it's not about the dog and so I'm like you know I'm just up here with Jordan's coming to see me and all this and she's like all right well I'll leave you alone I don't want to cock block you I'm like you fucking kidding me like I like you know fuck you like I'm like are you fucking kidding me Lauren like you cock. do you think that I would be telling you that I'm at the bar with another girl like are you seriously and she's I'm like Jordan is gay and my friend, and she's here because I don't know how to tell my best friend, I don't wanna just be her best friend anymore, that like, that we're supposed to be more than that, and I don't know how to tell her that. And she's like, you know Lauren Payton, like, and you obviously you've got to learn her a little bit more, Logan, but like, she looks at me, she's like, or she responds with, wait, what? <laughs> you already know what she's uh -oh. gonna say, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what, do you mean like me? And so she's like, well, Garrett, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, I know you don't, which is why I didn't know how to tell you because I don't know what to say, but I knew I needed to say it. And so she's like in Charlotte with her boyfriend at a country music concert, like with her boyfriend and her boyfriend's parents. And like, I tell her all this. And it's like, she's distraught too now. She don't know what the fuck to do. And thank God, you know, for Bay, who will obviously have to be on this podcast soon too, because she's got a great uh, mindset on everything. But Bay was very supportive of, me always, I was always a good friend to Lauren. I was always, you know, played that role well. So Bay always was, you know, supportive of that and pushed Lauren to give it more of a chance. And so she broke up with her boyfriend and um, I was, I you know, I want to tell this detail even though it might kind of, you know, sound a little, make Lauren sound bad, she might not like it. I like told you guys I was moving Sean out there and like Monday, supposed to leave. I'm like, Lauren, I need to see you before I leave, like, please. Sunday night, she's like, I can't, like, I don't know yet. I need to think first before I can talk to you. It's like, all right, well, I'll push my flight back. So I like reschedule my flight to Wednesday. I'm like, I'm gonna be here to Wednesday. Like, please, like, please, like, if I see you, you know if I see you, like we spend time together, like it'll make more sense. And you know, she, especially then, not prepared to deal with her feelings or emotions at all. So she's like running for me, like, nah, I can't. So I stay till Wednesday and I still don't get to see her. Move back, go back to LA with Sean and no idea what's going on and like beat up about it. But you know, I believed that, that 
you know, the loss of Jesse was the best thing that ever happened in my life, and the loss of luck for, you know, was a lucky thing for me. I believe that. It, it realigned my vision with what my relationship with Lauren was supposed to be, and it did, you know. She finally gave in a little bit and agreed to go on a trip with me to Miami, and our relationship flourished, and we knew then, you know, how we were supposed to be together. So I, I moved back from L.A., kind of, I say moved back, I flew back and forth across the country a lot, you know, working out there and coming back to see her and eventually ending up more more in North Carolina than I was in LA. So um, we ended up moving to Charlotte together. And then um, that's when we met Peyton. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're drawn to the gym guys. And I didn't know this at the time, but it was Peyton's second day of work. I thought he was just his front desk kid at the second gym. Second day, right? dude. <laughs> I had gotten back from like, Vietnam, traveling to Vietnam, living at my parents' house. Like, okay, well, I should probably get a job now, you know? <laughs> I've worked in the gym the day of my life. We're walking in the gym, you know, I'm fucking stoned. And this was before Lauren even smoked a lot, so Lauren doesn't isn't even high. We're walking in the gym, and I had been pushing Lauren to be the influencer to do all of that stuff for a long time, even before we started dating. Especially when we started dating again, my following was bigger than hers for no reason. So I'm like, you gotta be doing more. So we're you know, putting these ideas out into the universe. And all of a sudden we're walking in and we hear Peyton say something about the YouTube algorithm. And like, I'm like, what? What you know about that? And he like says something to me basically, he doesn't really know shit about it at the time when he says something. Genuinely not. He just, like, <laughs> just happened to be saying it. And, but it caught my attention enough that I'm like, you know, what do you know about it? He's like, oh, well, I just graduated from uh, UNC Wilmington and doing a um, film, right? What was your degree in film? Film studies. Um, I'm like, all right, cool. So uh, if I want to do a YouTube channel, then you probably help me out. And he's like, yeah, dude, definitely. Yeah, 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 cool. It's really cool, yeah. And then a couple months like go by and we don't really do anything. And then coronavirus strikes. And then we're like, ah, shit, you know, I'm trapped at home. And Lauren's trapped at home. Lauren's career just kind of got pumped on, put on pause because her whole industry just disappeared out of thin air. Um, at least, you know, we're blessed to be able to still have, you know, the cannabis was essential out in LA. So like we, we were, people were still moving stuff. We we're still able to make a lot of money. So. It didn't kill us necessarily, but we're needing to do something else. And so that's why we reapproached our YouTube idea with, uh, uh, with Peyton. And we just kind of stumbled into it. We really no idea what we we're doing. And so that's, we've had such a, a journey over the past year that we'll, we'll put a whole episode, episode two of, you know, of uh, our team development over the past year. And I won't go too much into that right now. Obviously, Logan, also another gym guy, uh, drawn into our lives <laughs> at the front desk of the gym. Um, so, local front desk kids, keep your head up because you never know when you're gonna get a high pay look. These motherfuckers gonna make millions of dollars off being in the right place at the right time um, and positioning themselves with the right energy and making sure that they continue to strive forward every day like we all do. So, we're excited. These guys are gonna tag in soon um, and share their stories. Um, and then we will dive into the meat and cheese. Excited to share some of the uh, personal development side of things, a lot of the uh, esoteric, eccentric stuff that we love to dive into. A lot of things that are gonna be controversial. Um, some things I enjoy, you know, occultism, uh, Lauren and Bay, you know, play with the uh, uh, mysticism and the whole, you know, wit, term of witch stuff. And like, it's very trendy to be on these things, but like, there's a lot of true value and correlation to real science with quantum physics and a lot of things that, you know, we study, so. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be very Joe Rogan-esque on this, I know for sure, but I'm excited to share it with you guys. Obviously, we do a lot of smoking weed and other fun stuff too, but this is really the most valuable stuff that you'll get from us, so we're excited to share. But uh, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap up for now for our first entry point. 
Like I said, these guys will tag in soon and then we'll get rolling. So we're excited to, to keep it going. If you guys have any suggestions or things that you want to um, discuss or if you would like to be on the podcast or any kind of collaboration, uh, we're open to all, all potential opportunities. We love, we love to collaborate and network. Um, so stay tuned, guys. We're excited for what we got. And uh, but for now, that's it. I'm G-Money, Peyton, Logan. You guys got anything? Okay. All right, we're out.